Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, podcast friends and family. So great to be with you today. We have an extraordinary episode for you today. We have the incredible Dr. Eben Alexander, who is a former neurosurgeon and also New York Times bestselling author of Proof of Heaven and Map of Heaven after surviving a near-death experience, and also the incredible Karen Newell, who is the founder of Sacred Acoustics, and they both co-wrote a book called Living in a Mindful Universe, The Heart of Consciousness. So this is an extraordinary episode. You guys are going to love it. It's so jam-packed with a ton of wisdom. We explore consciousness as being fundamental in the universe, why research in quantum physics allows for a God force. The truth about the power of our hearts and the research of the HeartMath Institute. The root of intuition. Eben answers if he believes is there scientific evidence for God, near-death experiences, and reincarnation. The power of sound, brainwave entrainment, and binaural beats. This is just to name a few. Death as liberation. This is this is a heavy episode in the sense that there's so much great content. It's actually really light. It's the opposite. Of that. It's light and full of amazing uh, content. You're going to love it. Um, if you like the episode, share. If you want to support the podcast, um, you can leave a review in iTunes. That's always super helpful. Um, I just want to thank – who did I get? I can't even pronounce this. I think it's Marie – Oh, no, that's the one from last week. It's uh, Foxy Blue 1975 from Canada, and it says, Best podcast I've ever come across. I can't believe I haven't stumbled across this podcast before. I'm always on the hunt for podcasts with this kind of content. You're the real deal, and I love you and your guests. I've been sharing it with those who are ready to listen. They love you too. I just bought the Divine Healing Package from Christopher Macklin with the link you provided, and I'm super stoked. Thank you for everything. I'm hooked. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to leave that review. It is helpful every single one when you you know put a few words in there. It inspires others to listen, sharing episodes. If you like this episode, please share it. Um, some of you are hooking me up on Patreon, and that feels really good. I appreciate that. So you go to Patreon forward slash Matt Belair and Heinrich Johansson, who may be from Sweden or Scandinavia. Thank you, brother. Or maybe America or Canada. I don't know. But thank you so much, brother, for hooking me up. I really appreciate that. And um yeah, so what else do I got to tell you? Um, you can also check out mattbelair.com forward slash store. I got all my friends over there. Sign up for the email list. And um, yeah, what I'm going to start doing on the podcast, um, I'm trying to figure out. So I'm going to be working a little bit with Gaia TV and we're going to do a little co-promotion and stuff like that. And one of the things I really want to do is take sound bites from things that are really great in the podcast. Like you go through and you get an aha moment. You're like, oh, that was so great and i want you guys to time code that so then i can make it into a little video i can share on facebook so i'm going to start something now and i'm going to start to talk about it um but if you guys have if you're listening to the podcast and there's something that you like snap the time code and then share it in facebook um just go hashtag matt belair podcast and share it on my official page 
and uh, just share what your insight was. If you want to take the time to just share the insight or share the time code or why it was special, you could be really elaborate and say why it was like, you know, what that meant for you and things like that. Or just share the time code and say, you know, they talk about this and this is what I thought. And because once I get all these time codes, then I can know what was really useful for you guys. And I can take little videos um, from YouTube that because all of these are on YouTube, I can take those little uh, clips from one minute to three minutes and share those. So that's what I'm going to start. So anytime you get an epiphany, just take a screen capture, share it at Matt Belair Official on Facebook, um, even write about it and then just share it with me. And as those things start to grow, I'm going to use that content to share it out there for the full episodes and all that kind of stuff. So if you guys start doing that, I'd really appreciate it. It'd be amazing. Um, and that will help my partnership and collaboration with Gaia as well. Um, for those of you guys who want coaching, go forward slash coaching. I got one-on-one groups you can you know, zoom me into a group of people. If you have like a book club or you have a a metaphysics shop or all that kind of thing. I love doing that. And, um, I think that's it. Oh yeah. Purium. Thank you. Geez. My sponsor. Thank you guys. Um, if you go to bit.ly forward slash activate health, they have the best, uh, non GMO organic stuff for everything. You got cleansing, energy, sleep, immune system, rejuvenation um the biome medic is an incredible product and it's 50 bucks so if you use activate health you get a 50 dollars gift card so you can test that out or get yourself a high quality protein or a mix or a cleanse or whatever you want and you can use that so anybody could use it so just check it out and i think that is it for me i don't think i'm forgetting anything um yeah let's just do this quick and easy meditation because you are a powerful being and you can come into a state of coherence so i want you to think about the triangle of kindness compassion and happiness taking in a deep breath in through your nose connecting with universal source energy seeing it fill with light every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being just filled with light and energy connecting to the energy of kindness compassion and happiness and just breathe out slowly with all the stresses and all the cares of the way of the day all the limitations and self-doubts and self-criticism. Now taking another deep breath in through your nose, connecting with infinite kindness, compassion, and happiness for yourself. And just see it beaming from you like a powerful energy body, feeling completely empowered and joyous. And just breathe out slowly with all the limitation, all the old trauma, the old baggage, the old stories, everything that no longer serves you. Now taking one more deep breath in through your nose and connect with your heart and really connect to this powerful energy of being a universal creator, knowing that life force breathes through you. And I want you to send this powerful, loving, positive, supportive energy to all beings on the planet, just seeing it radiate from you to all beings on the planet. I'm sending you all of my love and my support and my gratitude and my energy for you to remember how special you are, how amazing you are, and to just let go of any limitation or programming or external force that made you believe that you weren't powerful whole harmonious worthy just as you are and just connect with yourself as this powerful infinite being so there we go we are ready to get into this incredible episode with dr eben alexander and karen newell Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today, we have two incredible guests for you. Our first guest was an academic neurosurgeon for over 25 years, including 15 years at the Brigham and Women's Hospital, 
Children's Hospital, and Harvard Medical School in Boston. He has a passionate interest in physics and cosmology. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Proof of Heaven, The Map of Heaven, and Living in a Mindful Universe. Our next guest has spent a lifetime seeking wisdom through esoteric teachings and firsthand experience exploring realms of consciousness. She empowers others by demonstrating how to connect to inner guidance, achieve inspiration, improve wellness, and develop intuition. She is a co-founder of Sacred Acoustics and co-author with Dr. Eben Alexander of Living in a Mindful Universe. Welcome to the show, Eben Alexander and Karen Newell. Well, hello, Matt. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys. It's worked out perfectly. Good timing. Mm-hmm. So you guys, um, you know, I, I, I knew about uh, your work for a while and I was excited to get into it. And you guys are really, let's say, versed in a lot of things. And um, I'm wondering if you just want to give people a very brief background and then, you know, go into your new book or some of your old work, because I know there's a lot that we can touch on. So I'll kind of give it to you guys on, on how we steer this. Yeah, yeah. I, I would uh, open up by just kind of introducing people who haven't heard of me or, or the book, Proof of Heaven. Um, I was an academic neurosurgeon, as you pointed out in the introduction, spent the first, first 54 years of my uh, life basically honing a very conventional scientific worldview, uh, teaching uh, neurosurgery, thought I understood some aspect of, of mind-body, that is connection between brain and mind, the generation of consciousness and all that. And then in November of 2008, over just a few hours, I was driven into coma, uh, with an extremely severe case of a gram-negative bacterial meningitis that my doctors to this day agree should have killed me and also uh, was so damaging to my brain based on the evidence they had from neurologic exams, MR and CT scans, and lab values, uh, that they knew that the human part of my brain, the part that would generate any kind of a, a, a dream or hallucination or drug effect, was too damaged to, to generate any experience at all. Uh, and yet I had this profound experience, spiritual experience, that I describe in the book Proof of Heaven. Uh, and the reason I'm often asked to speak to medical groups has to do with the fact of that when you review the medical details of my case, you realize uh, it's really an anomaly. I mean, there are two absolutely stunning features. One is that I had any kind of conscious experience at a time when my brain was so decimated. The other is the fact that I recovered. I mean, people who review my medical records, uh, uh, there's no way that patient was going to recover. It's truly a miraculous healing, which, of course, has kept my uh, nose to the grindstone to try and understand what it all means. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have that kind of shocking, miraculous healing to explain. And that is something that you encounter a lot in near-death experiences. But, but one of the points that Karen and I often make in, in our presentations about this is it really hints at the incredible power to heal that we all have. And one of the greatest examples in, in our modern world that materialist science is incorrect is placebo effect, uh, where we can actually will the, the healing that we wish to happen. And so I think that all the nine years since my coma, and certainly the time since Proof of Heaven has been coming up with a scientific explanation and realizing that, in fact, we're hot on the trail of exactly that, which is good news for all of us because it returns the free will of the higher soul into the equation. 
Now, when I met Eben, of course, this was about three years, three years after his coma, and we were both at a workshop exploring sound, using sound to uh, get into expanded states of awareness. He was looking to kind of duplicate or mimic the meningitis of his NDE to allow his consciousness to go free. But when we first met, you know, I knew he had had a near-death experience, but his book wasn't out. I didn't really know his story. I knew people usually had very profound spiritual lessons that they learned. And so I asked him, you know, what did you learn on your near-death experience? And he says to me, the brain doesn't create consciousness. He was very excited about this. And I looked at him and I said, why would anyone think that it does? And this kind of <laughs> outlined the two extremes that we both kind of were coming from. Our world, as many of you know, we all have different beliefs of how the world works. And, uh, you know, who's right? So Eben formally, before his coma, believed that the physical world is all that exists. And I did not believe that for a moment. I, I had this understanding and knowing from my own personal experiences that there is much more to our world than just the physical and that that meeting we kind of figured out the two extremes we were coming from and really my, my knowledge came from a, a lifetime of personal exploration. I wasn't satisfied with many of the answers that our scientific and religious and secular schools teach us and I was looking for more than what they were able to provide. And I learned that going within, really figuring out a way to connect with that energetic part of ourselves, like Evan did during his near-death experience, kind of unbidden, we can all cultivate that. And sound has been a useful tool, which I'm sure we'll get into a little later, on uh, how to do just that. But that kind of brought us to living in a mindful universe where we kind of married the science and the spirit. Spirit not meaning religious or woo-woo, but the non-physical. Really marrying the physical and the non-physical. How do those two things work? And that's where living in a mindful universe uh, really shines in offering a lot of scientific foundation for many of these things that are kind of our traditional modern culture believes aren't really true. Uh, but that's kind of where we are now. That's incredible. That's two fascinating stories. And you're touching on a lot of things that, you know, I've been aware of personally, you know, I would definitely be on um, Karen's side with this with just like the that, you know, um, say out there, just like the more feeling based, less, less scientific. And what I really love is that the scientific community and the minds like yourself with that background are starting to merge the two. Right. And I think that's when stuff gets really exciting, because they're there comes a point of a little bit of surrender where, you know, what you experience is kind of beyond that. And then we're starting to map it a little bit together. So what inspired you guys to the write, write the book together and what kind of findings are you like, how is this marriage of the two worlds going? What's, what's in the book? What can we expect? Well, I would say that uh, for me, proof of heaven um, is really a question mark. You know, it's an admission that these kind of things are real, that they happen to people. Uh, you know, near-death experiences, very profound spiritual journeys are not hallucinations. That, that's what I would have called it before my uh, coma. And I realize now how completely erroneous that kind of thinking is. Um, and I've come to realize that my own personal journey uh, is really one that parallels exactly uh, the unfolding uh, in the modern scientific world about the, the reality of all this, that the afterlife and things like reincarnation 
fit perfectly with our modern science. People are under this uh, kind of illusion in their thinking uh, that you're either you know religious and uh, spiritual at heart or you're scientific at heart and that the twain shall never meet. Uh, and in fact, this discussion is not about one of those being correct because what people fail to understand is in the modern quantum era, as we get more deeply into understanding quantum physics and what it's trying to tell us about the, the relationship between brain and mind, we come to realize not only does quantum physics allow for the reality of the spiritual realm of that God force that uh, so many have encountered on near-death experiences over thousands of years from all cultures, not only does quantum physics allow for that to happen, which it certainly does, um, but it also demands it. In other words, if you try and get away with only the physical exists and pretend that you can explain all of causality in our realm of the physical um, through a, a kind of a materialist science, you have to pay the price of saying, well, if we don't have consciousness as fundamental in this universe, then we have to have something like infinite parallel universes unfolding at every subatomic uh, measurement and interaction. Uh, that's the many worlds interpretation of the measurement paradox in quantum physics. And once you realize how insane that is, that you actually can fix the problem by by putting consciousness as having a fundamental existence in reality, then it starts to make infinitely more sense. And things like the afterlife and reincarnation are perfectly consistent with our modern science. And so it's really uh, this explosion of interest. And I would say the world is waking up very rapidly. Uh, and a big part of that is that quantum physics, which has struggled for more than 80 years at this impasse of the measurement paradox in quantum physics, is finally going to be able to move to the next level. But it can only do so by admitting what the founding fathers of quantum physics uh, said for ages. Uh, Werner Heisenberg, uh, uh, Wolfgang Pauli, um, Erwin um, Schrodinger and others said consciousness is fundamental in the universe. And in our new book, uh, Karen and I take that to the, to the logical next step, which is a metaphysical uh, position of what's called ontological idealism that uh, actually the universe is mental, that all of this apparent physical universe emerges from the mental. That's the origin of it all. Uh, and of course, the problem for modern scientists is when you start talking that way, uh, you're getting way too close to the G word and, and that, the God force, that infinite healing power of unconditional love. And yet that is what so many human beings, I would say Karen had kind of known it her whole life, but it took me getting smoked down with bacterial meningitis to even begin to glimpse the truth of it. But the truth is absolutely liberating and refreshing. So the thing that's so unique about this book is that it does talk very scientifically about God and love, not from a religious standpoint. People, that word God is quite the little button for many, many people because we have this idea of what God is. But when we just strip away all the dogma, strip away all the kind of things we've learned through various religions, and the scientists who insist that God isn't real, at the same time they say they can't really tell if he is or not, they seem to still be an authority on it. Um, what we really want to do is strip away all that dogma, and the, the God that we're talking about is that force 
that we're all connected to. Star Wars, you know, gives us that wonderful analogy that we've all become accustomed to hearing. The force is that binding substance. It, it's not necessarily physical. The scientists want to find a physical mechanism for it, but all of us out in the world, you said it yourself, Matt, we feel it. We know it to be true. One thing that was really interesting as well when I met Evan is he talked about the same time he was talking about the neocortex and quantum physics and cosmology, he was talking about that force, that deity, that love at the source of all that is. You don't hear a scientist really bringing those two concepts up in the same sentence, and yet we did. And it was so interesting to me because he would say he touched that love on the other side and that you can't bring that love back here. It's only available on the other side. And I have heard other near-death experiencers express that. Of course, they know the difference. They've been awash in that amazing force. But I said, what do you mean you can't bring it back here? Of course you can bring it back here. I've touched that love. And, you know, it's something called qualia that we don't know what, one person's experience say of the color red is compared to our experience of the color red. Same thing with the love. I don't know what Eben felt as compared to what I felt, but in states of expanded awareness and states using intention of really consciously cultivating this connection and really focusing on the energy of the heart, I've been able to touch what I believe is that unconditional love force. And I've met Many people at our presentations who claim to have done the same thing without having to have a near-death experience. And so many people talk about love. You know, we throw that word around as, oh, yes, love is the most important thing. But really, do we really live that way? I'm not so certain that we do. I don't believe our world lives that way. And with a world that, whose social policies are based on science and, you know, materialist science, they aren't real wild jumping all over love as the force that binds us all together. They feel that emotions are just products of hormones and neurons. But folks, love is the thing that exists. And this is something that we're trying to really make people realize. And by establishing a regular practice, not just talking about these concepts, you can actually start to experience this love. And uh, it all starts with going within and focusing on the heart. I can go a little further, but I don't want to interrupt any questions you might have. No, continue, please. This is my, uh, love? All right. Yeah, keep going. All right, cool. So what's very cool in recent decades is that the heart has been studied scientifically, and this really helps people who believe that science has all the answers, and that is, of course, what we've been conditioned to believe. So Heart Math Institute in uh, California for several decades has been studying the heart. There's an electromagnetic field that can be measured that, is eman that emanates from the heart, and it actually comes out in the shape of a torus field at the top of your head, around your body, constantly moving like this in all directions, in, out, and around. And what they found is this electromagnetic field expands and contracts based on your emotional state. So if you're in a state of joy and love and happiness, this field is rather large and expansive. If you're in maybe anger or sadness or grief, it's much smaller. What's so fascinating to me, one, we can actually consciously manage this field using our thoughts and emotions. Number one, it is not a product of our hormones. We manage it. And uh, what's so interesting is that it actually affects the people around us without us realizing. So the more kind of love and generous and, you know, 
warm feelings that you can put into your system and that field goes out and affects the people around you. They've actually measured heart rate variability and brainwave states in people and discovered that us expansive, you know, joyous people actually affect people around us, but you can affect them in non-beneficial ways too. Those people who come in, you know, after a long bad commute, say, uh, after, into their morning office, complaining about the weather and the traffic and this and that, you know, the energy kind of goes down. We've all experienced that. But someone who comes in with a big smile and all happiness, the energy goes up. And the more we can start to pay attention to that energy and realize that we affect it, that energy around us is affected by us, whether we realize it or not, the more conscious we can become of this, I believe, the more harmonious and peaceful our world will become. I like to say it's really an imperative for each of us to become aware of what we're putting into our heart fields. We actually also gather information with our hearts and it comes back into the body and somehow this information goes up to the brain. The heart actually sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. And they've, dis they've discovered that people who get into this kind of expansive state have an ability to listen better. Well, to me, that's your intuition at work. Something that science will tell us isn't real. It's just a product of our imagination. The heart math people have actually found a mechanism for how this actually works. And so it's kind of like saying the Pledge of Allegiance in public schools in America. I feel it would be wonderful if every person on the planet, CEOs, garbage truck deliverer, uh, picker-uppers, teachers, doctors, nurses, parents, children, if we could all simply go within each day, feel that heart energy, put nothing but loving feelings in there, and then go about our days, imagine how that world might change. That's beautiful. Evan, do you want to jump in there before I ask a question? Do you want to add on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I mentioned it, you know, in Proof of Heaven that as a scientist coming back from my journey, the most profound scientific truth of that spiritual journey was the incredible power of love, of unconditional love to heal. Uh, I also saw from my journey that it's not as if all the events of this world are uh, can be scaled as either, you know, good versus evil in this gigantic battle where someday the forces of evil may win. It was clear to me on my journey that, that love is, uh, is the power in this universe. And, and it was not a battle between that someday forces of evil might win. In fact, I saw that uh, the apparent darkness and evil were just the absence of the light and love. So I think Karen's point is very well put. Uh, this world has not awakened to the lesson that humanity has been challenged with for at least the last 5,000 years. And that is to recover that deep and profound sense of the love of the creator for the creation. As we realize that we're all the co-creators of this reality that is emerging, uh, it's really incumbent on us to manifest that love. And it begins by realizing that the vast majority of the world's problems are not that I don't love my neighbor enough or love my enemy enough, but that I don't love myself enough. And by that, I don't mean some egotistical, selfish love, but what I really mean is recovering that profound sense of power that we have as sacred, divine, eternal, spiritual beings, that we are here to help 
uh, in the awakening of all of consciousness, and that love is the binding force that brings us all together. So whether you're talking about the healing that can come to an individual by recovering that love and sense of connection, um, or the love that comes to a family or to an ethnic group, a national group, all of humanity, all of life on earth, I don't care how big you make the theater of operations, it turns out that unconditional love always has the, the infinite power to heal, to become more complete, more whole. And so I've come to realize that any sense of physical, mental, or emotional health must be based uh, in a spiritual health. And when I say spiritual, when Karen and I use that word, we're really talking about uh, some really two major concepts, I would say. One is the notion that we're all sharing the one mind. We are all part of one mind, not just all humans and not just all life on earth, uh, but their one mind that is at the origin of all that comes out in this universe uh, is something that is the spark of our very own personal uh, consciousness. Our, our awareness uh, is a direct link to that, uh, that force uh, of love. So it's that the one mind and that sense of connectedness, but also a sense of meaning and purpose. And I think for us, the word spirituality entails those two very profound concepts and basically metaphysical notions of the makeup of this universe, uh, that we're all connected by this one mind, that our emotions give us skin in the game, they give us the kind of power to be engaged here, uh, even though we go through a program, uh, what I would call program forgetting. Uh, you know, part of my journey showed me very clearly uh, that reincarnation is absolutely essential to understand anything of this. I had grown up in a Methodist church, uh, so I thought I had the conventional Orthodox Christian teaching of one incarnation, then eternal heaven or hell. My coma journey showed me that that's completely false. That cannot be true. There's no way that that deity, that infinitely loving God, would have a, an eternal hell for eternal damnation for certain souls that would be, you know, imperfect. No, this is all about learning and teaching and growing the evolution of consciousness. And we all participate uh, in that uh, beautiful growth. Uh, and that's what I think is so important to get about this notion of love, as Karen keeps bringing up. She was the one who showed me the importance of heart consciousness, uh, of that awareness that is totally bound in that beautiful love and sense of connection, uh, bringing us all together. And that's what will help to wake this world up in the proper direction, is realize that we're truly all in it together. We're here to take care of each other, and that every act of kindness and compassion is crucial at altering that final equation and bringing love to this world. Uh, which, as we say, is the lesson we have been challenged with for the last few thousand years. And finally, I believe we're getting to the point. Very, very beautiful. Karen, you want to add to that? No, I want to see what you might want to hear next. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I'll just kind of just wrap up a little bit of what I think of that because, you know, I love listening to you guys talk. But the first thing that came up was the the power of the heart and the heart math. I just looked it up while we're doing this is, I always get it. I don't know if you guys can confirm this, but 5,000 times stronger than the mind, like the electromagnetic field. The magnetic we, part of the field is 5,000 times bigger than the brains. Yes. 
Yeah. And so that's the theory that I wrote about Burning Man when I went there and I, I was trying to um, figure out how there was a, what they call playa magic or law of attraction where the community like has all of this magic all of the time. And basically a long story short is that everybody's in their hearts. They're, they're giving, it's a gifting economy. So everyone it's naturally these like mini miracles are happening because there's a cohesive force. So um, I wanted to kind of touch on that. And I really liked um, the thought of everything emerging from consciousness. I've been talking about a lot lately but i'm reading the life and teachings of the masters of the far east and they basically like super yogis like yogananda and all of his friends from autobiography of a yogi but touching that space and being able to perform these miracles and they say everything emerges from consciousness it is the one source and everything that you guys are sharing is everything that i've read in the highest spiritual books it's it's when each book says the same thing in a different way and then the important thing you come back to it though, and the lessons aren't complicated. It's just, why aren't we living it? So many people, we know these things. Okay. It's love. It's kindness. It's all these different things. But the, the thing is we're not living it culturally. That's fine, but we got to live it as individuals first. Right. And then we're going to experience that field because we're creating it through our own consciousness connected to all other things. And that's, that's the important thing. Um, the one thing that I wanted to throw your way because you are a neuroscientist and uh, it's great, <laughs> you know, it's like coming on our side, you know, it's like I can feel this and I've felt it my whole life. But now, I, you know, I got team science coming in and that's where we really, you know, have fun because the logical mind is fear based. You know what I mean? Like we go out and back in the day we get eaten by a tiger. And so we would know that that thing will eat us. So that's logic. And we want to watch, watch out for that striped thing with the big teeth. Um, but then we took it a little bit too far and we became fear and uh, fearful and less ex expansive in our hearts. And I think that's where the logic took over a little bit. And there's, there's place for both because we, we probably know less about the universe than we actually know, you know? Um, so I just wanted to ask if, if there's, because um, usually I don't go on the questions they send because I kind of just go with whatever comes up, but I thought one was interesting was, is there scientific evidence for God and, and what you think of that? I would say that there absolutely is scientific evidence for God. I'll, I'll open this discussion by quoting uh, Werner Heisenberg, who won the Nobel Prize in Physics, I believe in 1932, uh, it was around that time. A beautiful quote from him, um, and he, like others, uh, like uh, Wolfgang Pauli and Erwin Schrodinger, uh, they realize consciousness is fundamental in the universe, and, and uh, the, the experimental data tells us that. Uh, and what Heisenberg said is he said, the first sip from the glass of the natural sciences will lead you towards atheism. But at the bottom of the glass, God awaits you. And I think the reason he said that is because he realized the deep nature of the experimental support, uh, especially in addressing what is known as the measurement paradox in quantum physics, which is the very strange uh, uh, kind of setting of contextuality that uh, the mind of the observing astronomer or physicist in doing a certain experiment and looking at photons from an incoming star or something like that, the mind in making choices about those observations and how to do the experiment actually influences the subject of the experiment, say the photons coming from a distant quasar, going back millions or even billions of years. Uh, mind is very crucial at all this. I know uh, John Wheeler, who, who founded, um, uh, you know, it, it was the head of physics at uh, Princeton University for a long time, uh, very renowned and respected quantum physicist. Um, and uh, he basically 
uh, towards the end of his life, he was wondering, you know, is life just some accidental intruder in the world? He'd already come to realize how crucial consciousness was for defining all of reality. And he came up with something that he called uh, the participatory anthropic principle, which is basically the idea that no kind of scientific observation about the world um, has any kind of reality or connection to reality until it registers in the present in the mind of the beholder. Uh, and that is very crucial because that basically was admitting what all those founding fathers were saying. And Wheeler knew that whatever this reality is that we experience, it absolutely depends on the conscious observer for its expression. It's not like the observer witnesses something that's already there. That's the thing that is so shocking when you get into modern quantum physics experiments. It, they insist on the primacy of consciousness and that nothing exists but the observer. And as an individual human being, it's important just to reflect on the fact that you've never known anything but the inside of your own consciousness. And this is something that Karen and I developed very fully in this revolutionary book, Living in a Mindful Universe. It's something that we call the supreme illusion. And that supreme illusion, it's not even a debatable point, although at first glance you might wonder why it's important, but the supreme illusion is just the observation that when I sit here and I look around at the world around me and I see the plants uh, and the furniture and things in our house and then we look outside at the mountains and trees and up at the night sky and see all the stars and all of that, Remember that what you've actually experienced ever since before you were born is nothing more than an internal model. It is a model within mind that we assume has some fidelity to a, quote, physical world out there. But what quantum physics tells us in no uncertain terms, when you follow the Einstein-Podolsky-Rosen paper in 1935 and then John Bell's work in the mid-60s and all the experiments since then to prove the reality of entanglement, of spooky action in a distance, that it's not local hidden variables as Einstein thought, you start to realize what they say is absolutely right, that it's all mental. The entire universe is mental. The physical universe emerges from that. Uh, but we really lose sight of uh, reality, and we certainly lose sight of our power and the free will that we can manifest as uh, sentient beings uh, when we fail to acknowledge that every bit of it has always been a model within mind and that we have tremendous power to influence that model. And in fact, the universe cares tremendously about each and every one of us. Every soul is crucial in this evolution of consciousness, which I believe is the reason the whole universe exists. But we need to return that power. Our materialist science would try and convince you consciousness doesn't exist and that you don't even have free will because they think it's just chemical reactions in the brain, electron fluxes following the natural laws of physics, chemistry, biology. So where would you inject any kind of free will? It's all an illusion according to materialist science. I would say that's completely backwards. And that is the revolution that is coming to the scientific world today. And that is absolutely the subject matter of our book, Living in a Mindful Universe. And that's why it's such an important addition far beyond what Proof of Heaven does. Proof of Heaven is just stating the question. A map of Heaven tries to point out how these are universal human experiences that we're talking about. And now finally, 
in living in a mindful universe, we're starting to work towards some answers. And this is a revolution that will make the Copernican revolution, which was the scientific uh, notion of moving the center of the universe from the earth to the sun. Um, that was a Copernican revolution. Well, I think that will look like child's play compared to the revolution and awakening that's coming to the scientific and the world at large uh, over uh, this awakening to the reality of these kind of events that suggest the afterlife and reincarnation. Well, and I just wanna add, you know, when we talk about a mental universe, what that brings to my mind is my thoughts, my thinking, and somehow that my thoughts alone are in charge of the world. And this gets you into a lot of trouble because there's a lot more going on than just the thoughts that you think. In fact, what we often tell people is you are not your thoughts. You actually have an observer behind the thoughts. I'm sure you came across that in all of those Eastern teachings. But in reality, there is a part of us that actually notices the thoughts. That's the part of us that most interests me. And this is what, you know, our our language fails to explain all of these things properly. When you don't have, when you don't believe in these topics in a particular culture, you don't have the words to describe it. So when we say mental, it's not necessarily your thoughts. And what we really want to do is move away from those thoughts. So when you say that, you know, uh, consciousness arises from the brain, we, we're used to thinking it's all thinking. But what you just said, everything arises from consciousness. What is that consciousness? Is it our minds or, you won't be surprised to hear me say, is it our hearts, the energetic part of ourselves that is bigger than just our little brains? And so when we talk about a process of going within, what we really want to do is move away from this, these you know, when I first tried to learn how to meditate, I learned it was important, just like love. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. And it was, I thought, impossible, literally impossible to quiet down those racing thoughts in my mind, especially in our Western culture, when we actually value over all else, our thoughts and our knowledge. And what I learned is I, I couldn't really do it on my own. And just sitting quietly watching my breath as they recommended was not really enough to get that mind to settle. And that's when I discovered the power of sound. And that's where Evan and I met was in a setting of using sound. And what sound does, the particular, the, there's many different kinds of sound healing and sounds that bring wonderful benefits to people. The particular brand we're talking about is brainwave entrainment technology or binaural beats. And the company I co-founded, Sacred Acoustics, produces these types of recordings. And what we really want to do, my motivation for even trying in the first place, was to get my mind out of the way. And when I combined that with a particular brand of Sufi heart rhythm meditation, focusing my attention on the heart, I realized that they could work together, that the, the brain entrainment technology could help to lessen my attention on the thoughts. That was the first thing I learned, is that I could still have the thoughts but my attention could be elsewhere. So while I was awaiting this elusive, completely empty mind, which of course you can get to, but when you're sitting there waiting for it, it seems like it's never gonna happen. What you can do is kind of split your attention. Pay attention to what's noticing the thoughts, that's your observer, and then you have your thoughts. That's two things going on at once. You actually can multitask by doing this. And when you 
bring your awareness to the heart while also listening to these sounds. It's like a double whammy in moving our awareness away from those really worries and fears that you were talking about, anxieties about the past, concerns about the future. It brings you to the present moment of now, which even that is debatable. Is there really a now? And, uh, but what we wanted, the only thing that is, (laughs) but, um, Lots of fun discussions go around, go on around here. But um, at any rate, the sound helps to move out of the brain, the thinking, into the heart. And I believe the heart is really where consciousness arises from. If we had to pick a place, I would pick that physical space over the brain. And that together, we create this kind of bubble around ourselves, this energetic bubble. I guess people would call it an aura. Some people call it, um, you know, an energy balloon. There's all kinds of terms for it. Uh, The electromagnetic field, the Taurus field. It's your bubble. It's what you walk around in, and that is you. The, The part of you that expands out beyond the physical body, you can become very aware of. And this is the consciousness that we're speaking of that affects unfolding reality. So not just your thoughts, but your very state of being, your beingness, which you are in every moment. But most of us don't really pay attention to what that is. And so that's something we really want to encourage people to do is to establish that practice of going within. Eben and I have created on Eben's website a 33-day online email program where all you have to do is enter your email. It's completely free. Go to ebenalexander.com slash 33 days. You will find a place to put in your email. I see you're doing that, Matt. And after you join, you'll get you'll get an email each day for 33 days, and it is a companion to the book. It, it introduces a major concept each day uh, from the book in a very bite-sized little nugget. And it includes a practice. We don't want people just thinking about these concepts and talking about them. We want you to really integrate these ideas into your lives to really start to make effective change. And uh, another beautiful um, feature of this course is that people from all around the world have taken it and there's a place to leave comments on each day's lesson. And people leave the most amazing, heartwarming stories they're supporting each other, they're believing what we're saying, they're disagreeing with what we're saying in some cases and having healthy, you know, kind of discussion around it. We, we don't profess to be right. We don't expect you to believe everything we say, but we do encourage you to go find out for yourselves by trying on some of these concepts and how they can apply in your daily life. Yeah, Karen makes an incredibly important point there. We are not the thoughts in our head. Uh, People run around thinking, well, I've got this little history of thoughts. You know, this is who I am. That is not the magic of your consciousness. The deep mystery of consciousness from the scientific standpoint, whether you're talking about what's known as the hard problem of consciousness, which is really the impossible problem of trying to connect the dots between the physical workings of the brain and conscious uh, phenomenal experience, Uh, Or the other uh, side of the scientific question on consciousness is the measurement paradox. As I said earlier, the fact that uh, the observing scientist and just the thinking about how to do the experiment greatly influences the way the universe behaves, even to the point of altering photons billions of years into the past. Uh, But 
it's only important as it registers in the mind of the observer in the now. Uh, so that observer self is something to develop, as, as Karen points out. This is something we help people do in all of our play shops. To acknowledge the little voice in the head is a little more than a parlor trick. Uh, and as you begin to acknowledge that, that little voice can chatter on and on about the concerns of the ego. But the higher you, the higher soul, the part of you that acknowledges that observer self can help to put that little voice into time out where it belongs because your conscious awareness can come into a far greater theater of operations in terms of understanding you know, the big picture of what you're doing here, see a win-win situations and all that, that one can do deep in meditation. And that's why I find this kind of meditation. I use sacred acoustics, differential frequency sounds. Uh, I try to do it an hour to a day. I try to meditate every day um, and have been doing that for the last seven years or so. Uh, and it's, I think, a very important way to connect with our kind of our higher soul, with that fundamental primordial mind of which we are all a part, that God consciousness that so many have encountered in near-death experiences and other spiritually transformative experiences. So this is really about developing that connection much more strongly. Uh, because in fact, what I will uh, tell you is the surprise of it all is that when your physical body dies, whereas materialist science tries to tell you that everything blinks out to nothingness and darkness, it's actually the opposite. That happens. It's a liberation from the shackles of the prison. We are conscious in spite of our brain. Uh, and when your physical brain and body die, you finally get set free. That's what near-death experiences have been telling us about all this time. And that, you know, when you study NDEs, you realize they're not just people who have a cardiac arrest and are gone from the world for two or three minutes when their heart stops beating. It includes people uh, who have been dead for days. Uh, who then come back to life. So the, the richest and most profound uh, NDEs are really astonishing cases of miraculous healing. And that's what this is all about, is a much deeper understanding of all of this, because you can't understand how to live this life until you have a far richer understanding of just how big this life really is, which goes far beyond just the birth to death. It's amazing. It's amazing. You could touch on a lot of amazing things there. The first one is just expanding consciousness. So, you know, when I wrote Zen Athlete, the idea was just to empower kids with this information using sport as like that trick. And one of the things is to clear your mind when you put the basketball shot in, because that to me is expanded consciousness. You begin to see there's an observer and then another thing, and that's expanding consciousness. And in that realm, there becomes more possibility. It's just more awareness. But we live in a society where we wake up and I say, you wake up, your brain turns on and you hustle to find some money. And then you fall asleep, you watch some TV and you never take time to connect with this thing that's always there with you. And I think it's a fundamental difference in consciousness levels between a person who can clear their mind and a person who can't because they're operating with a little bit of a, a different awareness. And we've kind of been trapped in that, you know, go, go, go through different systems and we won't get into that. It doesn't matter. Um, and I like what you talked about, uh, the supreme illusion and what that makes me think of. And I think you'll agree possibly it's the Maya, you know, we're living in Maya or illusion. We can't connect to these, you know, higher realms. We don't know what's going on. And we're, and when you go to that extra realm, you know, there's so much you're never going to know. You know, you know that it's so far beyond you. It's like a Rubik's cube with like a hundred million sides. Like there's just no chance. So you give up and that's where the surrender comes in. But you know that that surrender 
God, consciousness, love is, is on your side. It's like, nah, don't worry about it. You don't need to know that now. You're only here. You're just a kid. And that kind of goes back to religious uh, or spiritual stuff where they say, you know, you're a child in the eyes of the universe. We're just, we're just kids here learning. Um, and then I'm really interested in your course because it's bite-sized chunks. It's bite-sized um, chunks in new understanding of the world because a lot of us will grow up in a certain spot and then we have a certain religion, certain uh, sports team. If you're into sports like I was, you know, certain, these little tiny things and you kind of have to shift your worldview a little bit that to makes it more expansive. That gives you more freedom, which is more choice. So if you only wake up and you only have stress and you only have this one job and you only have this one option, that's not a lot of free will. That's not a lot of choice, but you connect to this spirit, this eternal force, um, you have now more free will. So the last thing I'm going to touch on, because you, you brought up a lot of points and I just want to hear you talk, not me, um, is that in the life and teachings of the Masters of the Far East, what, what, what you're talking about is like the meditation, I read it and I really deepened my understanding of, they said, just go into meditation and connect to like the primordial force, the one consciousness, the thing that's like breathing you. When you fall asleep, you don't die. You continue to breathe. So what is what is this one eternal force that is literally creating everything from you that you are a part of? And the book is always trying to remind you, and it says this, like, you are God, and then it'll bring up Jesus. And it's like, Jesus said, like, you are God. I'm just trying to remind you that that, that life force, that thing is in every single thing. Nobody's special. Nobody's not special. It's in every, it's the one thing that's creating us all. So uh, maybe you can touch on what I just ranted about or free will or anywhere else you want to go. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, uh, you know, a beautiful, beautiful point. And it was something that was so clear to me from my journey, that absolute connection, that oneness with the divine, with that infinitely powerful loving force, we're not separate from it. I think that's one of the travesties of some of our religious orthodoxy. It tries to paint a picture of, you know, the old guy with a beard up in the clouds uh, as the co-creative force. Well, no, that doesn't make any sense at all. The co-creative force is here where we are. Uh, just like uh, I know a lot of the books these days in, in kind of the NDE world try and point out that this is heaven, where we are. Heaven is where we are. Um, and I think that that is so important to get. Uh, and, and it really has to do with the fact that anytime you draw boundaries, you know, within time or space around something and trying to find it as separate from the universe, you're introducing distortion and confusion because each and every one of us is truly one with the universe. Uh, that's where the quantum physics is coming down uh, in kind of astonishing ways to show us uh, kind of this relationship between brain and mind. But it really is about uh, that connection. And, and of course, uh, I'm, I'm sure that your listeners realize that when we're talking about being one with God, we're not talking about the egotistical little small version of who we are with our little thoughts and our little petty concerns of the ego being one with God, uh, because that is a very misleading kind of concept, because in, in many ways the, the ego um, designs away from that infinite force of oneness. Uh, this is why I think the meditation is so important for me. Uh, all, all of my sound-enhanced meditations are a form of centering prayer. 
that is where I first and foremost acknowledge the oneness of all mind, that I am one with all other beings, and that love for all that exists and for the win-win situation is, uh, is what I'm seeking. Uh, and that it's really all about loving others, the best way to manifest love for self and show that godlike connection of, of pure oneness and love and bliss is to serve as a conduit to allow that, that, uh, that love to come into this universe. So um, really being one with that deity, I think, is such an important concept. And, and, and know that we can all come to know this. You know, there's the, the Tibetan dream work, which is something that uh, Karen really introduced me to and educated me on. Uh, but one of the uh, kind of notions there is the idea that when you work on lucid dreaming, uh, certain kinds of dreamscapes and recognition, you get to a point where you'll be better able to manage your spirit when it's set free from the physical body and the brain at the time of physical death. And likewise with meditation, I believe that we can come to know that connection, uh, develop that relationship of that higher soul with the primordial mind so profoundly that we can know long before the time when we're leaving our physical body once and for all that our soul is eternal. Uh, and that's why we encourage people so much to take that time every day, spend that 10 or 20 minutes or whatever time you can to go within because the answers do lie within us all. And especially when you start to acknowledge that, that little, little ego and the little petty voice of the ego, which really only uses fear and anxiety as its tools, is not who you are and can be put into the back left corner of the bedroom closet for time out as you develop this far richer, uh, grander relationship with your higher soul and with the, the one mind, the primordial consciousness, that God consciousness that binds us all together through pure love, you can then truly begin to manifest uh, the, the dreams of your higher soul. That is the true manifestation of free will. So Beautiful. I... I of course, have something to add. I wanted to touch on um, what you were just talking about that's very pertinent to the whole discussion, and that is our beliefs. Our beliefs are so crazy powerful, but most of us really just kind of take them for granted. We're born into a certain family, a certain culture, certain socioeconomic status, and what comes with that is a particular religion, a particular you know, way of behaving in that particular society. There's, there's different rules, really, for all of us based on how you grow up. And so you start to embody those beliefs, and you start to believe them as capital T truth. Well, something that was so interesting when I met Evan, and I said, well, why do these scientists believe that the brain creates consciousness? Is there evidence for this? What, what experimental results point to this? And he says, there are none. It is an assumption. And I thought, wow, our entire society based on materialism is based on an assumption, not a capital T truth found out in experimental results. And so these can be very powerful indeed. Our entire society is based on a belief, not a truth, an assumption, not a truth. And so it really behooves all of us to take a look at the beliefs that we've adopted throughout our lives. So whether it's a religion, you know, you can change political parties, you can change religions. How do you know which one is right? I was a seeker of truth. You mentioned earlier when you would read certain things, 
that when you found the commonalities, that's when you knew you were onto something. That's exactly what I would do is, and I came to call those universal truths, the things that all the teachers say, those are the things I'm paying attention to. So those beliefs though, those aren't very many things, the things that all the teachers say. They're really rather basic, we've covered most of them, uh, but it's those other things that get in the way that we cling to as articles of truth rather than articles of faith. And so this can be, again, political, religious, societal beliefs, but can also be very personal beliefs. I like to tell a story of one of my spiritual teachers who was working with a young girl who, whose mother had died when she was a very young, at a very young age, and this affected her throughout her entire life. So in the process of trying to help her kind of get over all of this, he learned that something she heard her mother say before she died was incredibly powerful. She heard her mother say before she died that she wished her daughter had never been born. So this child heard her mother say, I wished you'd never been born. And she embodied that as somehow not being worthy, somehow not being good enough. And what she learned really when she kind of recast what really happened there, her mother said that because she loved her daughter so much, she knew she was going to die and could not be there for her throughout her life. So it was really regret and love that she was expressing. So, you know, when you overhear somebody say something, you project a meaning into that in this case, that became a, a fulcrum moment that set her for her whole life, feeling like she wasn't good enough to be loved by her own mother. Now, this is kind of a common thing we find, that people adopt these beliefs that aren't really true, whether it's your appearance, your level of intelligence, your ability to do certain things. We embody things that aren't true that are very, very limiting. So when we're talking about beliefs on a societal level, those are quite powerful, and a lot of us buy into them, but those personal beliefs are powerful indeed. And if we're going around thinking we're not good enough to be loved, and love is the most important thing in the universe, something's really missing in your life. And this is something that we can all recover no matter what our parents did, well-meaning or otherwise. We all can take responsibility for learning how to find that love from within. We've been discussing this the whole hour. It, it's really something that fits into everything that should be discussed ever, if you haven't figured that out, but really becoming that love. You know, Evan talks about being a conduit. How do we do that? And loving ourselves can be very challenging when we have these beliefs that we're not good enough. And what it was for me was learning, I actually learned it from uh, a heart math uh, research, just it all starts with gratitude. Find something that makes you feel gratitude, not just think gratitude, not just think, oh, I'm really happy that he did that, but what made you feel a certain way? And, and there is something in all of our lives that we can find, whether it's a sunset, an, an article in a newspaper, an email that showed up, a smile we got at a Starbucks, a puppy that jumped in our lap, or something much more significant. All of these little things we can be grateful for. And when you can generate that feeling of gratitude, Notice what it feels like and then try and stay in that state for a longer and longer periods of time. You realize that that love that we're talking about that's directly from the source, part of that God force, is actually generated by each of us from within. That is where love comes from. It is not external. It is internal. And each of us, if we can develop that internal sense of love, knowing that that electromagnetic field is around us, 
we become love. And so I like to say to be the love that you are. And that is a direct path to self-love and love for all of humanity. Amazing. So well put. I love it. You know, what I think that we're touching on here is like, I think this awakening or fifth dimension or whatever anyone wants to call it, the shift, I don't care. Um, It's moving from fear into love. And I think that culturally we have um, such a fear-based society. And one of the things that we're, we're touching on really is we're, we're aware that we're alive. And I think the biggest fundamental one is that people don't know if they're going to live after death, but you had an experience a near death experience and you, you were there and you're like, Oh, it's actually nothing to be afraid of. I actually am going to live. If you're religious, you don't know if you're going to burn in hell for all of eternity, not just a hundred years, not just a thousand years forever and ever and ever. That is terrifying. That scared the crap out of me. So, so many people are living in that because if you don't believe, right, if you don't believe the thing, then, then you have the option all of a sudden in all of the options of the universe for burning in hell forever. That is terrifying. And so if you can remove that, then you can get the mind back and then you can get the heart back because the heart knows it's eternal. The spirit knows it's eternal. It's not afraid of anything. Um, But the mind can be easily afraid of everything. And so that's what I think that we're we're really touching on here, moving from fear into love and having the belief that we do continue past death in some form of consciousness. And when people can know that, they can really liberate themselves and be less manipulated by the fear tactics. And when you kind of get above it and you can look down, just like you're looking at your mind to do its thing, um, it does create a, you know, a path to freedom because you know, your beliefs are going to shape your reality. That's just the bottom line. And, and these are really big fundamental beliefs. So we only have about five minutes left. Unless you guys want to go more, you can go as long as you want, but I know you're busy. So what I'll do is, is I'll, I'll give it back to you guys to basically, you know, express whatever you want to share in final thoughts or again as long as you want or like what do you want people to know what what should they do what are some empowering beliefs maybe that they can adopt like your fundamental truths like for me is like i know i don't die there's no scientist that's going to come up to me no neurosurgeon say you're going to die and then it's done and be like all right man like that's cool but i don't think so and so it's like i know not i know it um so that's one of mine you know and i know that the universe is on my side and i'm learning and that's something that empowers me to go through life and sometimes it's crappy and i have the courage to ideally go through so those are just two of mine but i just wanted to give that back to you to just share anything that you want some tactics we could take from the book for practices and maybe some empowering beliefs and anything else you want to share I think I, one little uh, section I just wanted to bring up, I, I meant to bring it into one of my uh, answers a little while ago and couldn't quite do it, uh, but it has to do uh, with the meditation um, and with going within. And of course, anyone who has a, a practice of centering prayer or meditation where they know how to quiet that voice of the ego, uh, put it aside and, and get in touch with uh, that primordial mind and a much broader connection with that uh, co-creative force, um, that's all fine. But for those who are concerned that the little voice in the head seems to be too overwhelming, uh, I would put in a strong vote uh, to use the technique that that I've used the last seven years, which is the sacred acoustics kind of uh, differential sound frequency. And I, I just wanted to briefly uh, add the reason I got into that was I was trying to duplicate 
beginning about two years after my coma, trying to duplicate uh, that profound liberation that I witnessed as uh, my conscious awareness was freed up from the shackles of my physical brain because my neocortex was taken offline. Uh, and that duplication came in the form of differential sound frequencies. That's what I discovered about two years after my coma. That's what Karen and her business partner, uh, uh, Kevin Cossey, uh, really bring to the world in very powerful form. And uh, just to answer the question for people who have tried these and going, oh my gosh, what is going on? How can these be so powerful? I just wanted to tell you, it has to do with the fact that uh, this effect, which is uh, binaural beats, was discovered by a Prussian physicist in the mid-1800s, and it was taken advantage of in the 20th century by people investigating uh, out-of-body experiences like Bob Monroe and also remote viewing. Uh, the Stanford Research Institute and others um, who were investigating remote viewing found that these kind of differential sound frequencies could help people get into these transcendental states of conscious awareness. So that's basically what's going on is uh, sacred acoustics has come up with a way uh, to get a very powerful intersection uh, down in the lower brainstem. And that's, that's kind of my point is they are so powerful because we're going for a very primitive uh, circuit in the brainstem, a circuit that's 300 million years old, came around long before mammals, back when reptiles and amphibians were first crawling out of the muck. But that's why it is so powerful. These differential sound frequencies, when you listen through headphones, uh, can have tremendous effect. And I've used them, as, as we report in Living in a Mindful Universe, to great effect to return to the realms of my NDE. Uh, so as a sentient being, you don't have to wait to be smoked down by meningitis or some horrible injury. As a sentient being, you can cultivate uh, and nurture uh, this relationship with primordial mind. You can thin the veil, do that intentionally. Uh, and I think that is a real gift that Sacred Acoustics and Karen Newell and uh, her business partner, Kevin Cossey, bring to this world, something that I uh, would not trade for anything in my journey of discovery. So yeah, the sound can be very powerful, but I love when you say intentionally, because intention is where it's at. So many people, you know, they'll listen to these tones or maybe some other form, you know, some other tool, and they'll expect the tones to do all the work. And occasionally they do. Occasionally people will just unbidden, oh my God, look what just happened to me. But very often it, it, it's not necessarily a passive listening experience or a passive any experience if you choose to, to explore other kinds of things. It's all about your intention. And the, the bottom line is you have an intention, whether you realize it or not. There is an underlying intention for every choice you make, every action you take. And you know, you Matt brought up so so clearly how fear is very often a motivation and intention underlying certain choices. We decide to go left because going right is dangerous or you know something like that. We, we, we react to situations rather than create situations. And so if we can become more conscious of our intention, this can be very useful. And part of that is identifying any limiting underlying beliefs or maybe expansive underlying beliefs. Those can be very useful. An example of that is, you know, I brought it up in this conversation, how I used to tell myself I wasn't capable of meditating. I actually told myself that. So of course, it, it really wasn't very successful for me. When I realized that limiting belief, I changed it. So when I would hear myself say, 
you know, oh gosh, I can't meditate. I noticed, my observer would notice that thought and I would change the thought to, I can meditate. And over time, when you start to do this, you're able to actually change those limiting underlying beliefs. It sounds very simple and kind of pragmatic, but it works. You are in charge of your thoughts. You can choose those underlying intentions. And one thing I often recommend when listening to sacred acoustics tones or, or anything. Now, these tones can be used for all kinds of things, like maybe just focus and concentration or sleep. But they, you know, we recommend using them for spiritual growth or solving problems or connection to guides. And that's where intention really comes in handy. So I often recommend when people do this to really simplify your intention down to just one word, not some big complicated thing that you want. And intention really is, what would you like to see happen? What do you desire to have unfold in your life? So if you're trying to sell your house, an example I often use, that intention might not be got to find a realtor, post some ads, you know, get a sign, have an open house, clean the rugs. It could just be freedom. After you sell your house, you'll feel free. So you can connect that event with an intention in your mind and that's just Feel that feeling of freedom. What does it mean literally with the dictionary definition, but what does it feel like to be free? Every word has a unique sort of vibration, a unique sort of feeling that, that comes up. So even a word like capable, what does it feel like to be capable? Now you might want to try the word confident. What does it feel like to be confident? Capable and confident are similar, but slightly different. It can be fun to experiment with either opposite words or words that are close in meaning to kind of feel the difference of what they feel. So when we go into meditation, I recommend feeling that word, connecting it to whatever event you would like to see happen, and then just resonate, radiate that feeling. And you brought it up earlier too, the law of attraction or resonance, whatever you want to call it, not kind of that classic new age law of attraction. Uh, stay away from that, but that, that feeling of resonance, like attracts like, if you can just be that love, for example, or be that capable person or be that forgiving person, you that's how you create your reality by changing how you feel, by making that choice out of hopefully not fear, but one of love and, and kindness and compassion. And these intentions are what run our lives and becoming more conscious of them on a daily basis can be so helpful at really helping your life to become one that you could be proud of and really wish to have going on. I would just like to reiterate for your uh, listeners to remember that each and every soul is a crucial part of this awakening. Every one of us is playing a role here. And so the more we can come to know that higher soul, the more we can go within, develop that relationship with the universe and with that God force of love that binds us all together, the more we can recover the memory of our connection to that infinitely creative force uh, of love, uh, the better our lives will be and the more we will serve to help awaken this entire world because that is what we are in the process of doing. That is the, the purpose of our existence here and each and every soul is a crucial part of this, uh, uh, of this beautiful process of discovery and of enhancement uh, and of growth and of becoming more complete.
who we were meant to be. Uh, and that's what this whole process is all about. And thank God the universe is finally waking up, or I should say humanity is finally waking up to uh, this uh, much grander sense of purpose and meaning in our lives. And we need all of you, no soul left behind. 100%. Wow, guys, that was phenomenal. Uh, it was a privilege to sit over here and, and listen to you both speak. I would, I would love to have you back on the show any day you ever want to come back. Um, just tons of love for your work, what you're putting out there, uh, the wisdom, just so epic. Um, so do you just want to leave the listeners where, where they can find uh, more about you? And if you wish, um, one belief that you would gift people like to empower them for more peace, harmony, love, joy, coherence, connection with God, if you could just implant a belief in somebody, what would that belief be? Okay, um, well, to learn more about the sound technology, go to sacredacoustics.com. There's a free download you can get just by putting in your email. And let's see, the belief I would empower people with is um, I am love. And what I would like to do is invite people uh, to stay connected with me at eben, E-B-E-N, alexander.com. That's B is in Baker, Eben Alexander. Um, and that's where you'll find that 33-day course that Karen mentioned a little while ago. And I think uh, the main uh, uh, kind of thought uh, I would like to leave people with is uh, to always question uh, your beliefs, as, as Karen has stressed so beautifully, uh, because in fact, uh, the vast majority of our beliefs in our, in our culture and our modern society are way too uh, constricting and falsely confining compared to the reality. Uh, your abilities to manifest the free will of your higher soul really has no limits. Beautiful. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you both. I appreciate you so much and I uh, look forward to seeing you again. Well, All thank right, you, thank Matt. You. Very good being with you and uh, we will look forward to that next conversation. <laughs> amazing. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, guys, I hope that you love that episode. It was so packed with so much incredible information. I hope that some of you took up that challenge and just time-coded the parts that you liked, that you found an epiphany, and will take the time to write me on Facebook or just or just share the time code on Facebook and just go hashtag Matt Belair podcast. And, um, and then we're going to make those into little videos. And you could go onto YouTube if you wanted and just take a screen capture and, and post those as well. And basically what I'm doing with Gaia TV is just trying to use my listeners to find those insights on the podcast that really had an impact. And then taking the video from the YouTube video and just sharing those on Facebook so we can kind of get a little bit of the bite-sized chunks out there. Because I know this is a long podcast and not everybody, they see an hour, an hour and a half and they're like, oh, I can't commit to that. And so if you're listening to this, you are one special cookie. I can barely commit to half an hour or an hour. Um, but as I've said to you before, I'm getting an education here from these incredible people. And I'm not going to shut it down for half an hour to try to get more views. I'm going to soak in all the wisdom. And I'm so grateful for those of you who want to come along and just really get the long form. Just get that good information from these incredible people. You know, this was another incredible one. I let them talk all day. So thank you so much for those of you guys listening, supporting. Please leave a review. Uh, support on Patreon if you wish. If you want coaching, just go to the forum. Do groups and one-on-ones now. And uh, if you want me for speaking or anything like that, just go to the inquiry forum on Matt Belair Official. Support the podcast. 
um, Purium. They're amazing. Just go to bit.ly forward slash activate health and use activate health to get 50 bucks and get something for free or use it towards, uh, you know, an amazing non-GMO product. They have 60 day money back guarantee. They're just super legit and I love them and I'm grateful for them. Oh man, I think that's about it. Uh, sign up for the email list at mattbelair.com. That's also helpful. We can keep in touch as things come up and I evolve and, and all that kind of fun stuff. Zen Athlete's always a great book to go grab. If you haven't grabbed that, um, you could call it Zen Mastery or Zen Life. It's just Zen Athlete. So, uh, um, you know, we, we can share it with the kids. And also, if you have any athletes around, any coaches, any teachers, anybody who would be willing to spread the message, I'd happily give them download links for free and, and just have them teach it to the kids because that's what it's all about. So I think that that's it. Grateful for you guys. Uh, I love you. I appreciate you. I hope that wherever you are in the world that you are doing well. If you are doing terribly right now, remember this too shall pass. I have just recently gone through some very challenging stuff um, some tears, some amazing stuff as well. And, uh, you know, life isn't always easy. And just remember that if you're hearing this, you're not alone. This too shall pass. And we are moving into a brighter future. And it's a process of the human experience, unfortunately, this tough growth. So just want to send you acknowledgement, appreciation, brotherhood, uh, to know that there's somebody out there. And if you are the only one in your community talking about this and kindness and things like that. Remember, you're the light in your community. So just be the example and just joy, uh, be joyous and dance and sing and uh, be happy. Just, you know, just connect with yourself, connect with nature and be happy. And thank you so much for everybody doing uh, the random acts of kindness. You guys are just incredible. I had so many people do that and, and I just saw so many smiles. So all of you, you know, and now it doesn't need to be three. Just try to do one a day for 27 days and that would be incredible. And what you'll be, you'll get into the vibe. You'll naturally be looking for kind or you'll be set to kindness. And uh, I've been reaching out to a lot more of the homeless community, giving away money left, right and center, but having amazing conversations. And, you know, this was advice from David Lombear and the conversations and the weirdness and the synchronicities. And like, you know, it's like spirit is talking directly to me. It's like, oh, you know, we see you doing it. Um, we see you doing it. I'm like, okay, cool. Just very strong signals. So go out of your way to be kind. Um, it's not about giving the money and then run away. And you know, you just gave your money. It's like, Hey man, like, how are you? Here's a few bucks and you get their stories and they're really fascinating. So, uh, that's what I got to say. So before we close out, I'll just invite you to, to come to a state of the most amount of like power you can, um, self power, self love. So what I want you to do is I want you to take in a deep, breath in through your nose and as you do just allow all of the people you love and respect just to come into your mind it could be fictional characters it could be people from the past like for me it's going to be bruce lee gandhi jesus buddha um all the leaders you could go with aristotle or socrates or a fictional character like superman comes to my mind and just or your parents or grandparents or just i want you to think about all these incredible beings and just breathe out nice and slowly now taking another deep breath in through your nose and I want you to connect to all these guides, these masters, whether it's Jita, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, whatever you want to do, God, a fictional character, but I want you to connect to the energy, Mother Teresa, Kuan Yin, just connect to the signature of power, realizing you are an infinite being, you are the Bodhisattva, you are the awakened being in the density of the human experience going around the city. So just connect to this infinite power, knowing that you are a multi-dimensional being. That is your true nature. And just feel this wash over every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being. 
Now, I want you to take in one more deep breath in through your nose as you continue this deep, relaxed breathing. And I want you to feel just 100% total self-love and self-acceptance and self-knowing, self-gratitude. Just let this feeling wash over you and realize that you can do anything. You are having a human experience and you can create your reality. Just let this feeling set in every cell and every muscle. Just feeling totally content, totally at peace, totally at ease. And now just send this energy out to your friends. Send it out to your family, your coworkers, to the entire planet. Just sending them love and compassion and kindness. And see this energy come back to you magnified a million fold. And just let that feeling into your heart. And just seeing it overwhelm every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being. Feeling deep love and gratitude from all the beings that you touched on the planet. Just from you being here. All you got to do is just be you. Just to be kind. Just to live simply. Just to follow your heart. You are whole, balanced, harmonious, perfect. Wonderful just as you are. Have fun. Be happy. Be joyous. Be kind. Enjoy life. You're loved. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode.